Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, the one and only more or less official Cubs party album and rally starter from 1987. On April 7th, 1987, the Chicago Cubs began their 116th season as a franchise, losing to the St. Louis Cardinals 9-3. They were coming off of two very disappointing seasons, finishing 4th in their division in 1985 and 5th in their division in 1986. These were extra disappointing after the heartbreak of their 1984 season, which took them to the National League Championship Series. That was the team's first playoff appearance since 1945, but they would lose to the San Diego Padres in five games, missing the World Series. And the Cubs hadn't won a World Series title since 1908. Could the Cubs turn things around in 1987? Cubs superfan Bill Murray certainly hoped so when the Cubs played the Montreal Expos on April 17th, 1987. You know, T.S. Eliot, the poet, once said, April is the cruelest month. But I don't think even that great man would have anticipated that the Cubs would lose their first four at home. I'm here today to turn this around, and I think with the help of the overrated and not such a big deal after all, Montreal Expos, the Cubs will triumph today, a beautiful day, here at the true Wrigley Building at the corner of Clark and Addison. Today it's baseball, the Cubs and the Expos. Spoiler alert, things didn't exactly go well for the 1987 Chicago Cubs. They continued their downfall this time finishing last in their division. But there were some notable highlights. That March, the team had signed right fielder Andre Dawson, who would have a career year. More on that in a bit. It was also the rookie season for future Hall of Fame pitcher Greg Maddox. And this would be the final full season at Wrigley Field without lights. In 1988, Wrigley Field was the last major league park to have lights installed allowing for games to finally be played at night. Welcome to Wrigley Field for tonight's game between the Philadelphia Phillies and your Chicago Cubs. I'm Jack Brickhouse, and I'll be your master of ceremonies for this historic first game at night ever to be played at Wrigley Field. Now at this time, we direct your attention to the on-deck circle next to the Philadelphia Phillies dugout as the Wrigley Field lights will be officially turned on. But back to 1987. Before the season had even started, things took a turn. Legendary Chicago Cubs announcer Harry Carey had suffered a stroke that February, causing him to miss most of the first two months of the season. Up until that point, he'd never missed a game during his 40-plus year career, a fact that he proudly shared on his Late Night with David Letterman appearance just seven months prior. I was born and raised in St. Louis, and you can imagine the, the Cardinals were my favorite team from the day I could remember. And all of a sudden, the miracle of life, I'm broadcasting Cardinal yeah. games. Big thrill and I own the town, and yeah. I've broadcast them for 25 years, and I thought they are going to give me a gold watch, and they gave me a pink slip. They dumped you. Yeah. <laughs> then I went out to work for Charlie Finley for a year, and that's par for the course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then I came to Chicago, and I was with the White Sox uh, 11 years, and now with the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah, do you like, you must like it in Chicago. 
Chicago. I love Chicago. Have you ever missed a, uh, missed a game in uh, 42 years? Never missed a game, never missed a time at bat, never missed a half inning that I was supposed to mm-hmm. do. For nearly the first two months, guest announcers would fill in for Harry Carey. These included Bill Murray, Tom Bosley, Dennis Franz, Jim Belushi, and George Wendt. Injuries to a few key players took a major toll on the Cubs' 1987 season, but fans wouldn't give up on the team. They'd stuck with them for nearly 80 years hoping for another World Series championship. They were always ready to rally. And WGN, the Chicago AM radio station, and WGN-TV Channel 9, which was Chicago's independent TV station, had a long-time association with the Cubs, dating back to the 1920s. So during that season, the radio station would release a cassette tape in hopes of getting the Cubs to rally. In 1987, the one and only, more or less official Cubs party album and rally starter was released on WGN Radio Records. Hey, if you were a hot dog <laughs> and you were starving, would you eat yourself? The album begins with the Harry Simeon songsters singing It's a Beautiful Day for a Ball Game. Harry Simeon was an arranger, conductor, and composer who back in 1959 had taken an obscure 1940s song called Carol of the Drum and changed the title to The Little Drummer Boy. He recorded The Little Drummer Boy for his album Sing We Now of Christmas. One year later, he formed the Harry Simeon Songsters. They produced a baseball-themed song called It's a Beautiful Day for a Ball Game, which many major league teams played at their parks and used to open their radio and or TV broadcasts. Let's go! Batter up! We're taking the afternoon off! It's a beautiful day for a ball game! For a ball game today! The fans are out to get a ticket or two! From Walla Walla, Washington to Kalamazoo! It's a beautiful day for a home up next is Chicago Cubs song, parentheses, Hey Hey Holy Mackerel. It was written by Chicago-born jazz violinist, bassist, and composer John Frigo. Frigo is also the credited performer here, though I'm not 100% sure that's accurate. There was a version of this song released as a single in 1969, credited to the Len Dresslar singers, and I believe this is that version, but I'm also not 100% sure on that either. If anyone knows the answer... Let me know. Hey, hey, holy mackerel, no doubt about it. The Cubs are on their way. Hey, hey, the Cubs are gonna hit today. They're gonna pitch today. They're gonna feel today. Come what may, the Cubs are gonna win today. Hey, hey, holy mackerel, no doubt about it. The Cubs are on their way. Up next is Men in Blue. It's a country song performed by Chicago Cubs players Jody Davis, Leon Durham, Keith Moreland, Gary Woods, and Rick Sutcliffe. The song had actually been recorded and released as a 7-inch single on PR Records during the Chicago Cubs' heartbreaking 1984 season. Keep them flying high for coming blue. Well, here's to you, 
Up next, we're going full 80s with Alan Barkas performing You're My Cubs, which he also wrote. Alan Barkas has written and produced music for over 2,400 TV and radio commercials, and he's a 10-time Clio Award winner for those commercials. Perhaps most famously... Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Don't worry, call the car Barkas's musical career had begun as the band leader at Chicago's Playboy Club. In addition to being the musical director for the Chicago company of the musical Hair, he's also scored several films for PBS. I hear the call of the ivy on the wall. God's own green grass, let's play ball. Cause you're my cubs. You're my cubs. Come on, Chicago, let's play too. You're with us through and through. All along it's been me and you. Cause you're my cubs. WGN sold this tape as a mail-order promotion, costing $6.99. Some of the songs were played during the Cubs games on WGN radio, one of which brings some star power to the record. The Beach Boys. Seriously. Sure, we were several years removed from the Beach Boys' heyday, and in 1987, we're still a year away from their comeback number one hit. The Beach Boys perform a parody of Barbara Ann called Here Come the Cubs. In the March 31, 1987 edition of the Chicago Sun-Times, they reported the following. Don't blame the Beach Boys. Staff members at the Chicago Superstation came up with the lyrics themselves. If any of these guys ever needs a job, there's probably one for them writing parodies at Mad Magazine. Isn't it silly? I love it, says Dan Fabian, program director at WGN which will use the Barbara Ann takeoff during its numerous baseball programs. We aren't talking high art here. We're talking summer fun. The Cubs are the closest thing we have to an ocean in Chicago. Cubs, 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 here come the Cubs. Cubs, 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 here come the Cubs. And the Beach Boys weren't done here. Next, they parody their 1962 hit Surfin' Safari with Cubby Safari. While the Sun-Times reported that the WGN employees came up with the lyrics, Neither the Sun-Times nor the cassette itself gives any credit to who actually wrote the lyrics. Songwriting credits for Cubby Safari just go to Brian Wilson and Mike Lowe. Let's play baseball now, Cubs are gonna show us how. Come on, cheer the Cubbies with me. Come on, cheer the Cubbies with me. Early in the morning we'll be heading out. Our honeys will be coming along. We're cranking up our voices, getting ready to shout. With everybody singing along. Up next is Steve Goodman's Go Cubs Go. 
Goodman was a Chicago native who had some success as a songwriter. He wrote the early 70s Arlo Guthrie hit City of New Orleans, which was later nominated for a Grammy when Willie Nelson covered it in 1985. Goodman was a lifelong Cubs fan and wrote multiple Cubs songs. His first was recorded in 1981, called A Dying Cubs Fan's Last Request. It was about the Cubs' historic failures over the years, and it ended up being banned from Wrigley Field. When I was a boy, they were my pride and joy, but now they only bring fatigue to the home of the brave, the land of the free, and the doormat of the National League. But then in 1984, Goodman wrote Go Cubs Go, and that song would become the Cubs' official song during their eventual heartbreak 1984 season. Goodman would actually lose a 16-year battle with leukemia four days before the Cubs won their division in 84. Go Cubs Go is still played at Wrigley Field to this day following Cubs victories. If you want to hear more about Go Cubs Go, I covered it on a Patreon episode of Bizarre Singles back in 2021. So to hear that, make sure you're a patron at patreon.com slash bizarre albums. I mentioned earlier that right fielder Andre Dawson had signed with the Cubs prior to the 1987 season. He would end up leading the league with 49 home runs that season, winning the league MVP award. The album's next song, Andre's Army, is an ode to Andre Dawson. It's performed by WGN radio host Spike O'Dell, who in 1987 was awarded Billboard magazine's Top 40 Air Personality of the Year in a medium market. Andre's Army is a parody of Manfred Mann's 1964 number one hit, Do Wah Diddy. There he goes, just a walking to the plate, swinging. Do Wah Diddy, 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 Andre's up, you know it's never too late, swinging. Do Wah Diddy, 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 The album closes with a live recording of Cubs announcer Harry Carey singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, something he would lead the crowd in during the seventh inning stretch of all the Cubs home games. Carey talked about how all of this started on his 1986 Late Night with David Letterman appearance. You know, I've always sung. Whenever I heard Take Me Out to the Ball Game, I'd sing it, but only in the booth. And uh, the first six years I was with the White Sox, uh, uh, John Allen owned the ball club, and the only p- people who heard me sing was Jimmy Pearsall and our producer. The guys you worked with there. The yeah, broadcast. right, in the booth. Sure. Yeah, I'd say, Take Me Out to the Ball Well, Bill Veck bought the ball club, and he noticed uh, uh, that uh, uh, just lip-reading that I was singing. And then after a couple of days, he noticed the fans right below the booth were singing with me. Uh-huh. And then one day, without my knowing it, he had a public address microphone put in the booth. Where, right. 
And uh, I'm saying, take me out to the ball game. All of a sudden, I hear my voice come booming back at me, along with about 15,000 others. So after the game, I went up to Bill. I said, what was that all about? He said, Harry, I've been waiting 35 years to find the right guy to do this. And, you know, I'm getting a little pumped up. I think he's, he's flattering me. He said, yeah. He says, as soon as I heard you, he said, I knew that any fan sitting in the ballpark, as soon as he heard you sing, would be happy, happy to sing along because they knew, every one of them, that they could sing at least as good, if not better, than you. Yeah. And there you have it. This was only a mail-order album, so no chart history to talk about or anything like that. There is one credited producer named John M. Tondelli, but I know absolutely nothing about him, so that's that. And what I can tell you is that this wasn't even the Chicago Cubs' first album. Way back in 1969, an album called Cub Power was released, credited to the Chicago Cubs and the fabulous Bleacher Bums. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Faxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums.